from Relay FM, this is Connected, episode number 83. Today's show is brought to you by Memberful, Igloo, and Squarespace. My name is Mike Hurley. I am joined by Mr. Stephen Hackett of 512 Pixels. Hello, Stephen Hackett. Hello, Michael Hurley. And also by Mr. Federico Vitici of Max Stories. Hi, Federico. Well, hey, <laughs> thank you for uh, telling the name of my website. That's Mike. All right. I'm Mike Hurley of <laughs> michaelswright.com. <laughs> is that your brand? It's my, it's my personal brand. We know that by now. Uh, I reckon nice. we're going to be a bit punchy today. We haven't recorded in the evening in a very long time, and uh, we're yeah. recording in the evening tonight. Yes. Uh, so you've got that to contend with. Yeah. I miss the evening recordings. I do me. not miss them. Um, <laughs> me neither, but it's a, it's, it's a bit more romantic, I guess. It is. It is. It is. I remember back in the days of the prompt, um, where I would be awake until 2 a.m. editing, then waking up at 7 to go to work the next day. Is that because, a podcast? Yeah, I had to. Not not anymore, uh, <laughs> because I had to wait for Federico's file oh, yeah. of your Remember? slow internet. Oh. And we used to have so many problems just in general then. Uh, it was... <laughs> it, and the, the freaking sound effects, which always added more time <laughs> than I wanted. It right. was those. Those were the days. We yeah, we run yeah. a much tighter ship now, which is nice. Yeah, there was no four G, you know. Nope, four G. I used to uh, say sentences with gaps in them for you to drop the sound effect in. <laughs> That's um, true. Over but, time, uh, we perfected the gap to the right time with the sound effect. But yeah, we're really good at it. Uh, so now it's time for uh, follow up. Well, I want to do a piece of follow out first. Okay. Um, oh, in case people haven't heard this, you should hear this. Uh, episode number six oh, yeah. of Remaster uh, went out yes. last week. And we were uh, very lucky to get an exclusive interview with Shuhei Yoshida, who is the president of Worldwide Studios at PlayStation. This guy is like instrumental in the PlayStation, like the PS4 and the PSVR, the new VR headset. And Shahid went out to San Francisco, and on his trip, he got a 15-minute interview with Yoshida-san, uh, which is part of the episode, including me and Federico talking about the PlayStation VR. So there's a lot of really interesting stuff in there. I think you should go and listen to it. It's at relay.fm slash remaster slash six. If you enjoy the show, share it with your friends, subscribe. It's fun. We enjoy it, and we put a lot of love and care into it. So I think that listeners of this show would like that very much. It's a, it's a really cool interview. Yeah, it was. we were very lucky. And then in a very important piece of follow-up that I received just before the show, uh, if you remember back back way into the history of when Workflow came out, uh, I created or adapted um, a workflow to send thousands of emoji <laughs> at a time. Do you remember this? <laughs> yes. I will find that workflow and put that in the show notes. But uh, a guy called Matthew sent me uh, a tweet to tell me, because I brought it up on Analog last week, he used the that technique to send 10,000 pig emojis to a friend, um, and message messages crashed every time that he tried to open it. I had this, and I just rebooted my phone, and it was fine. That wouldn't work for him. He had to restore his phone. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, so I will put this workflow in the show notes, but I would suggest that you use it at your own peril. Uh, if, you, if you do too many of them, things can go crazy. Yeah, please don't try this at home. Well, no. you know. Be careful. We're emoji professionals, so we're fine. We can try it at home, but you should. everybody else should be careful. So we're going to talk a little bit today about the 
Mac topic from last week, the idea of uh, some things that Apple could do to make the Mac potentially more attractive to third-party developers. And in that conversation, we spoke about UIKit, and I had totally forgotten about and neglected to bring up uh, UXKit. So we have a couple of links in the show notes. Uh, one, uh, Macworld, uh, a piece about why smaller iOS developers may be smart to look at the Mac, and then one to six colors, and one to anessential.com uh, about about this topic and about UXKit uh, specifically, which is part of Photos.app, which shipped, I guess, what, like a year and a half, two years ago now. And if you look at Photos.app, it looks and kind of feels like an iOS app in a lot of ways. And the reason for that is Apple re-implemented a portion of UIKit to run uh, on the Mac, and it's called UXKit. And as far as I know, as far as I could find, Photos is really the only place that we've seen this, and it has not been made uh, public to developers to use at this point. Has it been really expanded upon by Apple? But it does show that this sort of work at Apple at least has been underway to a degree to get photos done. And I think it's a, an interesting uh, way of, of looking at it that you know, porting UIKit directly doesn't really work, right? Because it's touch-driven and there's a lot of elements there that just don't make sense if if you're dealing with a cursor. Because even if you're on something like the Magic Trackpad, uh, it, you're still not touching things directly, right? It, it's abstracted away through the cursor. and um, But, you know, Photos that app feels like a Mac app. It feels like an iOS app, too. It's very sort of this strange hybrid. And so you should go check out those links. It's an interesting piece of technology and one that, you know, maybe Apple will expand upon at some point in the future. So I don't fully understand a lot of this stuff. But so is this basically like somewhere in the middle between Mac development and iOS development then? Is that what this is kind of about? Well, I think some of it's a little unknown because UXKit uh, is not really available for developers to use, right? You can only kind of see how it's used in photos. Uh-huh. And so I think there's a lot of question as to like how much time and effort this could shave off for you know porting an iOS app. But it's okay. definitely further along than going from uh, UI kit to app kit that's on the Mac now. So basically, an iOS developer could look at this and maybe have a better understanding of how to use it because of the tools and what they put that they put into play on iOS. Yeah, potentially. So it, okay. I think it's at this point, it's all about the potential of it. All right, cool. Um, I wanted a piece of follow up. We were talking about Ulysses uh, quite a bit last week, um, and Federico kept sharing his beautiful setup. Uh, mm -hmm. And this prompted a tweet from CGP Grey, which prompted a tweet from the Ulysses app people to say that Dropbox support is coming to an, uh, a, a soon update. So, I mean, I don't know anything about this, but it does uh, it, more than that. But it looks like maybe that Dropbox Sync will be coming back to Ulysses or coming to Ulysses. Yeah, I, I don't know uh, at this point because I'm don't have a beta or anything, so I'm based on this tweet. But it sounds like there's going to be direct support for Dropbox, which is good news, you know? Especially because uh, you can then go to dropbox.com, see the text files, see versions, mm -hmm. you know, which iCloud doesn't show you. And also you have the peace of mind, uh, you know, for, for big for big things like this, if, if, I was, if I was you, I would want to go with a thing that I've used and known and trusted for many, many years. And whilst iCloud seems better, I mean, I know as a notes user... Um, mm -hmm. iCloud is fantastic. Like mm -hmm. the way that my favorite thing about Note Sync is that I may have add, added something from an extension. I open up that note, start typing, and then the link that I've added 
pops in above the text. Yeah. I think that that is like, you, you nailed it, right? Yeah. It needed to sink, but you know where it was supposed to go. It's like that for me, like it just feels like you, you nailed it, right? So this stuff may be better. I don't know the ins and outs of how you would build an app like Ulysses on this stuff. But nevertheless, for a multiple thousand, 10,000 word article, Dropbox has never failed you. No, never. And it gives you... So you'd want to use that. Yeah, especially because, you know, uh, Ulysses uh, uses that type of iCloud sync that you cannot uh, manage in a web browser. You know, it's not like when you go to iCloud.com mm-hmm. and you see a bunch of text files from, uh, or files in general, from iCloud Drive. If Byword does it like that. Yeah, uh, Ulysses doesn't do that type of iCloud implementation. So the, the, the iCloud that you see in Ulysses only propagates across the apps. You cannot go on a web browser and see all your documents. You can only go to your iPhone or the iPad or the Mac. So it's only inside the app. And using Dropbox or, you know, similar services gives you the, uh, you know, the sense of uh, safety that you can go anytime, anywhere on a web browser. You can view the file, you can restore, you can view versions, which is what you want. You know, when you're working on a, on a big project that's taking you months to put together, that's what you want to be able to do. Um, so we'll see. I'm, I'm really happy that they're doing it, you know. Uh, I'm, I've been using Ulysses for the past week again. Um, I know that people are waiting for some sort of follow-up. Um, I'm liking it a lot. iCloud Sync has been terrific so far. Um, I don't know if I told you, Mike, but I'm using uh, the dark theme a lot more. To my surprise, because I've never been a huge dark theme user. I know that you love dark themes. I'm all about usually. dark themes. Yeah, I'm, 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 I haven't been a dark theme person myself in, in any app, really, so far. Uh, but I'm using it in Ulysses, and I do love the contrast between the black background, the yellow font, uh, red section names. It's really nice. Can you share the themes? I think so. I think so. I haven't yet. But I am like, every day I go to the app store and look at the Ulysses app and then close <laughs> it again. It's it's. Uh, I mean, I, I, I just look so pretty. Yeah, I can I can share my theme. I think I'll I'll take a look at how it's done. Um, I'm liking the toolbar a lot. You know where it's got all the menus, uh, with the shortcuts to insert links and footnotes to mm. make text italic or bold. I'm getting used to the layout because I mean you know I'm new to the app. It's only two weeks after years and years of other text editors, so I'm still getting used to it. I do like a lot the organization that I set up. So I have two different groups. Uh, one is called uh, Mac Stories, the other is called Club. So yeah, I can organize the different uh, content that I write for the website and for the newsletters. And then I'm also starting to use the keywords. So I have a finalized keyword that I apply to uh, sheets or, you know, documents, uh, when they are complete for the newsletter. So when I open the uh, club group in Ulysses, I can, you know, just take a look and see what's been finalized, what's ready to go. Uh, so that's nice. You know, it's uh, it's very different. I continue to believe that it's very different from what I used to uh, writing before. And I'm getting used to the whole idea of, uh, you know, sheets can be grouped together and you can... Uh, you can have attachments inside sheets, uh, which I used last week to prepare some iOS 9.3 coverage 
you know, I was saving screenshots and placing the screenshots right inside my document, not into my photos app where for some reason I never find them again. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm getting used to it. Um, I think, uh, I'm positive that I'm gonna keep using it. Uh, I will keep you updated over the next few weeks. I want to know more. Yeah, I'm excited about it, mainly for that revision history like you guys were talking about. You know, I'm using one writer, which syncs Dropbox files offline, which is really nice. And then I'm just using NVAlt on the Mac, but it's nice to have the flexibility, right? That they're, Because they're just files, I can open something up and buy Word or BB Edit or pull it down from Dropbox and kind of get at it from anywhere. And iCloud just has those walls around it that I don't really want to deal with. So I'm with you. I'm excited about it. And um, I will definitely be spending some serious time with it once Dropbox support is out. Yeah, I've been uh, back on editorial recently for some of the stuff that I've been doing. Uh, and it's nice on the iPad Pro. The beta is very nice. All right, talking about all this text stuff, uh, I just wanted to take a quick moment because we're going to talk about the Apple event now to talk about like our coverage and stuff because uh, we all kind of did our own little things um, yesterday. Uh, I wanted to just point out the abundance of Mac stories links that are going to be in the show notes because Federico and his team posted 675 <laughs> articles yesterday. Oh, no. I counted 675. It was really <laughs> impressive. You should be very proud. <laughs> Thank you. It was only, I think, 14 or 15 maybe. But uh, but it's more than usual. Yeah, yes. it was a... Uh, clearly you have either grown uh, six more sets of arms or you have built an incredible <laughs> team around you. Yeah, the guys have been have been really really great. Um, I'm really happy with the you know we planned it in advance. We we had a, like a full outline of how we wanted to cover the announcements, and we had a sort of plan uh, based on you know nine to five Mac basically gave us. That is helpful for you actually, isn't it? Because you yeah. can just assign the products so as you know what they are. We had two. Uh, we had two white cards, and we said, well, based on what they are, we're just gonna you know see what it is go with the flow and we'll talk over slack uh but we had a strategy based on you know iphone ipad i was getting ipad of course uh, alex was getting the iphone and uh we knew there were gonna be watch announcements so we were like five people talking in slack and and it went really really nicely yeah oh thank you mike yeah, um for steven was doing his usual uh tweeting as he is known to do. If you don't follow the 512pixels accounts, 512px on Twitter, you should follow it just for Apple events. Stephen goes a little bit crazy. <laughs> it's uh, very serious news coverage. So what can I say? Uh, you also did a, a little article that we'll talk about in a bit, um, which, which is really cool. Uh, and uh, me and Jason recorded a weird and special episode of Upgrade. Uh, where Jason called in from his car on his way back from Cupertino to the Six Colors World Headquarters, and we recorded the show that way. And it was I, I actually am really happy with how it turned out. It was uh, a lot of work from both me and Jason to get it just right, um, but I actually listened back to a bunch of it today, and, and I'm I'm pretty happy with it. It was It was fun. It was something different to what we usually do. So if you haven't heard that, again, more links in the show notes, Upgrade Episode 81. So... That's that. Let's actually talk about what happened. So 
the what we didn't know at the time when Tim made his big statement about the FBI was the way the rest of the day would play out. And Federico, what happened yesterday evening in regards to the FBI investigation? I was basically postponed because the Department of Justice argued that a third party approached them saying that the there could be a method of unlocking the iPhone <laughs> without having Apple's assistance. And the uh, the judge, whose name I don't remember, I think it's Judge... Uh, I, yeah, I don't remember. Judge Sherry Pim. Pim, yes. Okay. I was I was about to say Ping, but that's another close. product. Um, close the enough. judge isn't uh, a product. <laughs> no. Uh, so they, they granted the, the FBI and the Justice Department uh, a new hearing on April 5 to report back on these, you know, tests that they're going to do on this iPhone uh, based on the method from a third party. We don't know what, who the third party is. Might as well be John McAfee. We don't know. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably the NSA, right? Like, <laughs> me too. who else could it be? <laughs> well, guys, I've got a special guest with me here today. It's the FBI. It's me. It was me all along. I worked it out. Um, it, basically, a lot of people are saying that they think the FBI is chickening out of this. I don't know. I don't know how to take that. I mean, maybe. Um, what do you guys think? Do you think there's any merit in that theory? I mean, maybe a little, but I don't think they would say in what I imagine is sworn testimony that they have someone else who thinks they can unlock it. Like, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things you may never know. And, you know, a lot of people are like, hey, it's over. It's like, well, no, it's not over. It's kind of on hold. And so they could go off and uh, we'll just say that, you know, whoever it is could go unlock it. And that's that. Or that could prove to be incorrect and they could come back and and say hey you know what we tried this and you know what now you really should do it because we have gone through you know all these other steps to do it and you truly are our our last you know ditch effort so i don't see this as a victory yet but it's um it's it's maybe a ray of hope for people that want it to go apple's way but it's not over it's not over. So I think I think those headlines are a little premature, but we'll see. You know, it could be that this just quietly goes away. And if that's the case, then we can either assume that um, whoever it is did get in the phone and that's got its own ramifications or that it really was a, they realized that they were losing the public battle. And so they sort of, you know, backed off from it. But again, we'll, we'll probably I think there's a big chance that we'll never actually know. Uh, Apple opened the event with one of their cute little videos that they've done in the past uh, since, was it like WWDC a year or two ago? Uh, was mm-hmm. it the iOS 7? Was like the first real time this had happened, right? Yeah, it had like the little like uh, little the design like marbles one. or something, yeah. balls rolling around and stuff. And they've done, they did one, I think last year, about like how app developers like make the world really special. It was like painting around a room, right? And like uh-huh. the words kind of appeared and disappeared based on the angle. So. They've been doing some fun stuff recently. And this one was um, kind of in anticipation of celebrating Apple's 40th year, right? Which is, what, in on April 1st? Yes. So there's that. And, and as part of this, they basically showed up a bunch of keywords and phrases and product names and in-jokes. Um, and there was only one man who could decipher this code. <laughs> and he's with us today. 
Yes, yeah, so I was listening to Upgrade uh, Washing Dishes After Dinner, and Jason says, hey, you know, my first thought was that Steven should do, like, pull apart the video frame by frame and, like, list out, annotate everything that's in it. And basically, I was like, that's a great idea. I should go do that. And so I went and did it. And several hours later, um, it took a long time. I did learn that if you're in QuickTime, you can use the arrow keys to advance one frame at a time, which is very helpful when you're doing something like this. But it's a fun, it's a fun list, right? Like it's everything from uh, 1984 and the Macintosh. There's a lot of stuff about the iMac G3, and then a lot of you know more modern stuff. Um, but it's I don't know how many individual slides there are because I I didn't number this list, but it, it's a bunch of stuff. Anything that jumps out for you specifically? I mean, so two things: a the the Newton slide like it's really hilarious especially if you realize that what is the joke so the word newton stays up there and then after a moment they scribble through it with like a line and if you are using a newton that's how you delete a word (laughs) is to scribble through it um so it's kind of a a a little funny little uh jab at the newton um the guys who (laughs) they run like the newton talk twitter account really incensed over this <laughs> like saying they were going to scratch through uh apple executives which seems a little uh, overreaction <laughs> <laughs> well look uh, how how often do the newton people get in the news you know yeah it's, you gotta yeah, give them it right <laughs> and you gotta know it's gonna be negative right like <laughs> short of me writing something i don't know who's writing anything positive about the Newton these days there's newton people still yes Yes. What what do they do? Probably not a lot if they're still using the new. <laughs> no, I mean, a f- serious question. Uh, do they still use the Newton for like everyday computing? I know people who use them as sort of like a. I mean, there there are a couple of people who still use them like daily. I think um, I used it daily in college like ten years ago. But I think that there's still some people who it's a it's a really passionate hobby. Like in, like I think the word I use in the in the list is like enthusiasts. Um, hmm. can, it go, it j- can it go on the on the internet for example it can it can you can put a wireless card in it and you can get on the internet okay. very slowly and very simply but yeah it'll go the other thing that jumped out at me was all the iMac G3 stuff um, they talk about the computer they have tangerine lime strawberry blueberry and grape which were the five colors um, and or the five flavors as they called them and those were the some of the only colored slides in the video. So they really jumped out when you were, when you were watching, uh, watching it. And it's something that's been on my mind cause I'm, um, in a phase of iMac G3 acquisition. And so I've been spending some time looking at them. And so that, that jumped out at me. What and, does that uh, mean exactly? So I, <laughs> I am, uh, trying to source one of each color for a project and uh, so i have three now and i've got a lead on almost every other color uh some of those i'm gonna have to just wait till they show up on ebay but i got someone i think locally who has some imax that they're gonna uh, let me have so when you say project do you mean hoarding like what what is project (laughs) when you say you have a lead is it like an investigation that is going on (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> tracking down computers someone did uh i got today someone did e- uh email me after i tweet about it and they sent me an indigo that they had which is pretty cool these aren't small these are really big things and you want like six of them 
No, I could tell you one, two, three, seven, eight, nine, ten. There's like twelve, I think twelve different colors. Are you going trying to get all of them? Mm-hmm. I Yep. I I you are one of the nicest <laughs> Wait, people I've ever so, had the pleasure of knowing. Well, so those are twelve computers. I don't know how you're married. I just don't so, know how it continues. <laughs> You have, I have met Mary. She's very lovely, and I, I don't understand it. I don't want to put words in her mouth, but she's not real thrilled. <laughs> okay, okay. So those are 12 different models of the same computer. Is that right? Yes. 12. So yes. you should put them on a long table, and you sit in the middle. And, uh, you know, uh, what's the, the painting from Leonardo da Vinci? You know, The Last the, Supper? The Last Supper. And you wow. do a recreation of that with you in the middle. You know, 12 old computers. I mean, I don't know what your project is, but it ain't going to be better than that. (laughs) (laughs) The Last Supper of IMAX is pretty good. Uh, So I'm going to scrap what I had in mind. Oh, was there an Apple event this week? I don't know. Yeah, can we get off of me and do something else? Yeah. So, Uh, uh, one billion active Apple devices. This came up again, right? They went. I, I was trying to find it. They mentioned this number before. Was it during a conference call or something? A quarterly? It was the last analyst call. Okay. So, 1 billion active Apple devices. I, I will admit that 337 of them are at my house, mm-hmm. but I think the way they count this are things that check in with like an Apple internet service, I think is how I think that's kind of believed how it's this number is, is come to. And that number is really crazy to me that it's. One billion seems impossible to understand. It's a lot. Like, I don't even... Yes. <laughs> it's a lot. Like, it's a lot. And I think they use that... Tim put that up before he started talking about the privacy thing. Like, we have to protect all of these people, I think, was his kind of his kind of thing yeah. there, right? And, and I think it was to... To sort of show that Apple's not like this like rinky dink company that can be pushed around. Like they're also they are saying what and yeah, I believe yeah. what you said that it's about like we have all these people that we feel we're responsible to, but also like we're kind of a big deal and you know uh, they they <laughs> you could see a world where if this continues that Apple's going to be like we have one billion active Apple devices and we're an American company like that's sort of the the undertone I get out of this is like we're a big deal and we're here. And um, it's, I mean, it's obviously incredibly impressive and, like you said, difficult to sort of wrap your head around. But I think that that number works in their favor in a bunch of different ways. Yeah, no doubt. Um, then they kind of went into the environmental stuff. Uh, there's some interesting things there. You know, a lot of the stuff that Apple's doing um, for the environment and their carbon offsetting, things like that. But the real kind of cool news is the Liam robot, right? Like, that's what everyone's mm-hmm. latching onto. I mean, it's look, it is amazing terrifying. what they're doing. Like, 99% recycled paper, 93% all renewable energy. Some countries are 100%. They're going for 100% worldwide. But they created a robot that has an eye that can tear apart <laughs> and just cast aside the insides of iPhones. Right? Have you read the Mashable story? I haven't yet. I haven't yet. I, only, I saw that just before we started recording. It's a giant robot that occupies an entire warehouse. And in the video, you only see one arm or maybe two arms of the robot. It's got 29 of those arms. Oh, that's that's (laughs) horrific. (laughs) (laughs) It's basically a huge machine. And it takes, I think, 11 seconds 
if I got this correctly, it takes, uh, let me see, 11 seconds to complete an iPhone disassembly process uh, with dozens running through the system all, at all times. And it can turn around 350 units each hour for 1.2 million iPhones each year. So this is just one single Liam robot machine. It can do over a million iPhones each year. That's a huge number, you know? It's and, a little terrifying. <laughs> it is terrifying. It's got 29 arms, and it's basically like a giant robot inside of a warehouse uh, eating iPhones and spitting out parts <laughs> in, in different buckets. And, yeah. uh, I mean, it's a, it's a very... It's a great initiative, you know, uh, especially because Apple explained to Mashable, uh, we can cut through uh, all the different elements real precisely. So it's not like the traditional recycling process. It may happen that, you know, that maybe the copper gets uh, mixed up with a bunch of steel and then, you know, the recycling process, it's not as good as it could be. Uh, we got this robot uh, with all sorts of crazy machinery going on and we can precisely separate each element. Um which is great news, you know, especially because Apple can then resell uh, all this material, which is not contaminated by other material, uh, to, you know, different companies that recycle the material and it goes out, back out into the world. Uh, so it's great news. It's just, you know, maybe the fact that it's a robot with 20, uh, 29 arms and it's got a name, it's only slightly terrifying, I think. <laughs> I wonder what Liam stands for. Like, there must be a backronym to it, right? No, there's no name. According to Apple, uh, Mashable was guessing. Uh, they asked them, does it mean, uh, like, um, line inverse assemble machine? Something like that. And Apple's like, no, it's just a name. We looked at the robot and it looked like Liam and we named it Liam. So, <laughs> what Someone... can a robot look like that, that it looks like a Liam? Well, it's 29 arms. That's the thing. Like, do they, does somebody really hate somebody called Liam inside of Apple? Like, there's a guy nobody likes? Or something's really wrong with that guy. Something's really wrong. That looks just like Liam from accounting. You know, the 29 arm guy. Wow. HR. No, it's cool. And the, we, we glossed over it, but the, the environmental stuff is a big deal and, I wasn't aware that they were so far into the renewable energy stuff, but it, I mean, again, for a company of their size, uh, clearly they're making a huge investment here and with a belief that they are really like improving the world. So uh, it's great. And it was great to see, uh, see some of that. Obviously there's like the yak joke going around, which is rather hilarious, but it was a nice way to, um, to kind of set the stage a little bit going into these these products of having instead of a retail update having an update sort of in these other areas yeah i think the point of bringing this up uh yesterday was you know you say like you didn't know it i don't think anybody knew that they were this far along i think that was maybe why they brought it up you know so it was like yeah. we've spoken about this before but oh by the way look at all this crazy stuff we're doing so it was it's, cool it's it cool it's a thing but do you want to talk about Research Kit and Care Kit? Yeah, so uh, you know, Research Kit has been it was been announced a while back, and and Jeff Williams kind of runs Apple's health stuff um, uh, along with a lot of other duties at Apple. Uh, spoke about Research Kit and how it's being used, and kind of building the case that it's being adopted. And as a refresher, Research Kit is an open source platform from Apple, where institutions, hospitals, clinics, that sort of thing, can build apps to basically have a like at large uh s sampling 
of medical data. And so before, if you were going into one of these studies, it was could be very small or very labor and time intensive to find people to uh, join your study. And now it's much simpler, Apple argues, with a research kit. And it seems that that's, that's the case. And, and they're expanding that with CareKit, which... Best to understand it is basically a set, it's open source like research kit, but it's a set of tools that can go into apps for patients to like be more engaged with their own care. And so it comes with a couple of different, I think what they call modules, uh, some for uh, some tracking stuff. So you can track um, like range of motion, like you can hold the iPhone, the example Jeff Williams gave, hold the iPhone in your hand and like lift your shoulder and the accelerometer in the phone will like measure your range of motion. Uh, you can put pain scores in, but then there's also like a whole like follow up deal. So if you go and have a procedure done, and I've had this when I had my elbow worked on. Um, they basically just give you like a couple sheets of paper and they're like, yeah, do this, don't do that. This is the medicine you need to take. Well, you can build that into an app now where it can be interactive. So a patient can go in and say, yes, like if I'm supposed to change my dressing every three days, I can go in and check off that I've done that or I can be reminded of it and really making that sort of aftercare scenario much more like in the 21st century and i think it's great and it's and i tweeted this yesterday and like i know that it kind of sounds cheesy or it just comes across as like being a fanboy but i I really believe that in this sort of stuff like a apple doesn't have to do this b like i guess if there's any impact to their bottom line is that people are buying and using iphones and people are already buying and using iphones I mean, I'm sure this is a loss for them on their P&L, but like the idea of like leaving a dent in the universe that Steve Jobs talked about, like this is where they're doing it. And, you know, they had a part of the research kit video about um, uh, studying uh, things like epilepsy and can can there be a pattern in people's like heartbeats uh, before a seizure starts? And if, you know you're epileptic mm-hmm. and you have you go into this rhythm, like maybe you could get a warning before you have a seizure. So if you're driving, you can pull over. Or if you're in a grocery store, you can go find help. And like as someone who deals with epilepsy in their immediate family, like that's huge because that stuff can just come on with no warning. And I mean, it can be really dangerous. And uh, I think it, it gets me. I mean, obviously it's personal for me, but I think it really is an area where like, like them or don't like them, like their products, don't like their products. I don't think anyone can argue that this is a great thing that Apple's doing. You know, um, I was looking through Twitter yesterday during the event, and I saw a lot of uh, white tech bloggers making fun of uh, Research Kit and Care Kit, saying, you know, now Apple wants to have all of your health data. They want to make money. This is not so as, you know, make as a good initiative as they make it out to be. Well, you know, these people, they probably never had to worry about a single serious health scare in their lives. Let me tell you, when you do, you know, uh, when you do chemo, then you got to do physical therapy and you got to go through a bunch of paper sheets every time. And there's no correct way to, you know, to look at all these data. There's no useful way to assess all of these, you know, different data points. Does your leg hurt? Does the muscle hurt? You know, did you do your exercises? There's no good way to track all these. And any company who wants to make a tool to do this stuff easily and to keep track of it and to help people, well, you know what? I don't care if they also make money because they're helping me, you know? I went through physical therapy and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't fun. Uh, especially when you 
gotta remember and you gotta print out all of these paper sheets with all the exercises that you gotta do at home and you forget and you don't like to go through those paper sheets because they're not on your phone and you know it's a very bad quality you can never you don't understand the drawings and you you don't have you know 3d animations on the drawings and then you forget to fill out the forms you know it sucks it generally sucks and mm-hmm. so when i see these people making fun of something that can help others well uh, it really gets under my skin you know i think like my my feeling on this is i think that it is a bit of column a a bit of column b like they're trying to help everyone but it's also like a way to help sell devices and and market the products but that doesn't even matter like it doesn't matter if that's the thing because if you're actually you know and they said like some of the studies that they've done ended up being some of the largest clinical studies in history it's like so it doesn't matter if the reason you're doing it is to sell more iphones because the result is amazing you know, I, th- yeah. I don't think it matters either way. Like, yeah, of course, part of it is to sell iPhones. Otherwise, they would create devices for free and get them out to everyone in the world. But they're not doing that, right? And they don't need to do that. They shouldn't have to do that. They have a billion people using their devices, right? You only need like 0.001% of them, and it's a massive research study. But I think it's like, whatever, let them do it. Because what they're doing is actually making some people's lives better. Like, you know, I don't see why that's an issue for some people, but it is. Yeah, you know, that's rich coming from some people whose only concern is to look at the pages, but, you know, whatever. Ah. <laughs> it just gets to me. He's not angry. Not at all. Let's take a break. This week's episode is brought to you by a new sponsor, and that's Memberful. Look, all right, setting up a membership program for your website, podcast, or other project can be difficult. You have to worry about security, payment processing, member management, and so much more. Or you could do what we did here at Relay and sign up for Memberful, so then you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. With Memberful, we're able to know all of our Relay FM members' data is kept safe and secure. That was top priority for us. We put a lot of things in place. I know Federico did the same uh, when setting up membership stuff to make sure that that stuff would be kept safe and secure. And Memberful, they had it locked down. It integrates with our site without any hassle on our end. Uh, It makes it not only easy to manage, but also easier for new people to sign up. They have a great little UI. It just pops in front of the web page. It couldn't be easier. The member management features are fast and reliable. This makes it easy to share content with our members. We can send emails out to specific groups. Maybe if you just support a specific show or we send an email out to everyone. Um, We can help people change their plans. They can just email us, tell us they want to switch, and we can do it for them. It's super simple. And also lets people see payment details and change our own plans as well if they want to. Um, All of this is done with Memberful's online dashboard. It takes just a few clicks, and we're in and around and managing it. It's super simple. Visit memberful.com today for secure, fast, and reliable membership software for your business or project. And when you sign up, make sure that you tell them you heard about Memberful through Connected, and you'll get $50 credit towards any paid plan. Seriously, if you have any type of membership program that you need to do, or maybe you're setting like a, like, like a social club or something and everybody needs to put money into it, if you can integrate something like Memberful into your system, you're going to be happy. We, we did it so we could have a large-scale, long-running thing. Federico did the same, and I'm sure he would say great things about Memberful. They are fantastic. Thank you so much to Memberful for their support of this show. I really do love Memberful. The entire Club Max Stories runs on Memberful. It's just, you know, perfect for our needs. I didn't even know it was a sponsor today. So, you know, 
It's genuine feedback. It's I, I really do love it. Uh, also, they've been really responsive for support and stuff for us as well. Oh, yeah. Um, they've even implemented some features that we needed. Like, yeah. When, you, yeah, no, the, when a company the, does that for you, it's a great yeah. company. Yeah, and the guy actually writes to you, which is awesome. So, yeah. yes, a really happy customer. All right, so let's talk about what wasn't announced um, mm. at the Apple event, which was anything Macintosh related. <laughs> what? What? Yeah. Now I, so, uh, you know, I think that there's a real simple reason for this, but go ahead, Stephen. No, I mean, uh, Skylake MacBook Pro is clearly on deck at some point. You know, they they've got to be ready. There's been rumors of Retina external display. I would like one of each. I have. I'm just waiting. Um, but you know, clearly not the event for this. You know, my initial thought was with the environment and the FBI stuff, they wanted those things to be more like a bigger piece of the pie and so to give those things some time to breathe but i think your theory is even better i just as i was watching the presentation um and schiller kept saying over and over again that the ipad was the future of computing and they were talking about windows switches coming to the ipad i think having Macs in there as well would have mixed that ipad message i actually think that this this message of future of computing and, oh, people that switch to the Apple ecosystem go to iPad first. I think this is the new iPad marketing campaign, like the long running one. Like this is going to be how they can kind of phrase this, because if this stuff is all true, which we assume that it is, this is stuff that they should be leveraging. Um, and they show a video later on. Uh, they show a um, like or there's at least a video on the website of people using their ipads right they have one of those new ipad marketing videos um and in that video there are people working on documents working on images in facetime calls like these aren't people hanging on the side of mountain faces in tents anymore no. thank goodness <laughs> this is yes. the way to market the ipad because Everyone that I know that has started to love their iPad Pros, like, you know, and it's not just me and Federico. Like, you look at Serenity Coldwell. I was just listening to Mac Powers, and obviously I noticed from talking to Jason all the time that he doesn't use a laptop anymore. Like, he uses his iMac and his iPad Pro. I know, Stephen, that you're using yours more and more. The people mm -hmm. that are using this device to, to do stuff, they're doing work on them. They're not, like trying to create a band recital choreography like all of that stuff's really cool but you don't you, that's not the stuff that you show to the world because it doesn't relate to the average person this campaign of showing people in offices with architectural plans on facetime calls in picture in picture using the pencil to draw things and uh, make notes like this is how they should be marketing this product and i think they I mean, touch wood, they have finally found the thing that might try and open this up to a wider audience again. Yeah, it's very practical, you know, yeah. showing people getting work done, uh, you know, keyboards, documents, uh, chatting with other colleagues. It's very pragmatic, I would say. It's not, you know, scuba diving with an iPad. Of course, yeah, you know, that's really cool, but, you know, I don't, I don't explore the oceans with an iPad. Yep. I just got to fill out this spreadsheet. So, yeah, makes sense. And I'm, I'm happy that they're going in this route. And, yeah, I just think that... They really, it, more than once, I think the, the beginning and the closing of the iPad Pro section was this future of computing thing. And I think if they would have closed that and about right now, the Mac, <laughs> I don't <laughs> yeah. know if it would have landed so well.
I did. I did have a chuckle that they had uh, in like one of the images behind Chilling was talking is someone working on a surface. Like, or it's the idea that um, you know PCs are changing into these sort of convertible like things, and that, that really is. I mean, especially the pro once you get the keyboard on it, like it is a, more of a convertible than the straight tablet for a lot of people. And so, you know, I've got. I, I don't disagree with the philosophy of the of this marketing push. Um, it did feel a little thin uh, when he first started talking of like, uh, why we're doing this new, you know, iPad pro and it's for like windows switchers. I'm like, well, is it like, do people want to switch to a 10 inch tablet or do they want to go to something bigger? And I mean, obviously I don't know. Right. And, and Apple I'm sure has information about what people are, are coming from and if people are repeat customers or not and all that stuff. But clearly they're st- just trying something in a new direction to jumpstart those iPad numbers. And like that, yeah. I've got no problem with. All we know is the current direction is not working, right? Like exactly. that's what we know. I mean, and that's they've got to be the conversations that are happening inside of Apple's iPad marketing teams. Like we thought this was really good. This looked really nice. It highlighted some stuff, but uh, it's not landing with people because sales numbers keep going down. So I think this yeah. is the right move. Can I just, can I yeah. just point out one uh you know, a little, maybe not so little, but something I didn't like from mm-hmm. this section. It's when Phil Schiller said that, uh, you know, people using a five-year-old PC is sad. I think that that's really not cool, you know? The, I, I mean, I get why Apple, uh, what kind of angle they were going for. You know, we want to sell an iPad to these people because people believe that an iPad is a better computer. But just the tone, you know, the the, the half-hand yeah. comment saying, yeah, you know, these people, they're using old computers. Well, that's sad. You know, on stage from an executive, really not cool. I think that Schiller was doing a little bit of ad-libbing here and it didn't yeah. pay off for him so well. No. Because <laughs> the the message that I think that they were trying to get across at this point was... There are people who have machines that are five years old. That means they're likely to be upgrading at some point. We yes. want them on the iPad. Yeah. I think that was the message they were trying to get across, but he was trying to make a joke for the Apple people in the room. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. like, all it's done is, is it's become one of those things that people are complaining yeah. that like, Apple has a bunch of products that are that year old as well, like for sale right now. And it's like, yeah, you know, like it's, you know, it, it's true. Right, like how old is the Mac Mini at this point? Uh, yeah. You know, like they're still selling this stuff. I mean, and you really want to go that? We can go back to where a couple of weeks ago. You're still selling hard drives, spinning hard drives in your Ooh. new Macs. Like, you know, how far down this do you think we want to go here? Uh, but yeah, I just think that that was like they try were trying to make a good point, but it got it got mired down in a bad joke. Yeah, especially because so. you you don't really want to point out. Uh, the fact that, you know, because it seems like while those people are, are sad, you don't want to put the spotlight on what people are doing because you don't know why people are using an old computer. You don't know if people don't have the money to buy a new computer. You want to put the spotlight on, we believe we have a better product. You know, that's a positive message, not, you know, that kind of poking fun that's not really necessary. So I really didn't like that uh, that comment. Yeah, it was, uh, it was just poorly... Yeah delivered if yeah. it should have been delivered at all um so that's there were no max i think well we're gonna buy wwdc right like there's got to be something do we think that they might do a little event or a quiet 
event or just an upgrade in between now and then? What do you think, Stephen? I think I think so. I mean, unless they're having some sort of issue, it seems like Skylake chips are shipping in mass to other OEMs. I, I would think that you know maybe in April you, you could do. A, I don't think you have to do an event. I think you can do that as a website press release, like embargo review type deal. And I think that'd be fine. I think June is a long way away, and with so much software going on in the summer, like they, I mean, they've had they had the Mac Pro. I think was a notable hardware thing at WWDC, but they've moved a lot of that hardware elsewhere in the year because they've got OS ten, they have iOS, they have TVOS, and they have WatchOS to all contend with now on the WWDC stage. So I'm hoping. I mean, a because I'm in the market, but. I just think that June is a long way off. Hopefully they would be sooner than that. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Um, so the Apple Watch, uh, they've dropped the price down to two ninety nine. That's with the nylon bands, right? So is that, I mean, the sport band I think is still the old price, but... Oh, really? Yes, it's just the nylon. It's the I didn't catch that. It's when it's matched with the nylon band, which is... Um, I mean, Surprised I, to me that they're cheaper. Well, if you buy them individually, they're the same, I think. Um, so I don't know what the deal is there. I mean, uh, clearly they're trying to move them, I guess, and trying to maybe breathe some life into that. But I think it's great. I, mean, I think two ninety nine is a lot more, like mentally, that's a lot smaller number than three ninety nine. Like yeah. for some reason, it you know. But, My um, hope here is that this is reminiscent of the original iPhone, and that two ninety nine becomes a starting point <laughs> for the next edition. I think it's really hard to go back. I mean, yeah. they did it with the iPad. I guess we'll talk about that. But I think once you drop, it's got to be real convincing why you would need to go back up again. Yeah. Yeah. So 299, the new nylon bands. Uh, I'm struggling with the nylon bands. Mm-hmm. Image to image, place to place, they look good and not good to me. I need to see these in person. All of Apple's shots don't appeal to me. Um, I think they're, so the shots that they show on the web pages are they renders or are they real? They look like renders. Like they they look too sharp somehow to me. Yeah, but that, I don't know. That's what I think. Or like they're shot in such a way that they're shot so perfectly they they kind of cross into the uncanny valley. Mm-hmm. And I don't like them. But the Verge had a hands on, uh, and the photos from the hands on, I was like, they look quite nice. I want to go and see these in a store, um, and I will um, maybe pick one up. Uh, there's definitely a couple of the new sport band colors I want to see. I like the yellow, I like the royal blue, and I like the red. Um, I love that they're doing more uh, leather colors. The leather one I don't really think is my thing, especially with the sport band. The the, the lug mismatching mm-hmm. ended up being something that turned me away from the Milanese in the end uh, after that long long discussion on this show i decided to not do that uh but i like that they're doing all of that i like the bands you know i mean it's just a fun little thing and and i'm interested to get my hands on some more of them building up a real collection i'm basically as bad as you with your imax <laughs> the band's <laughs> way less oh really they're way less really how much do those things run for the weight oh wait you mean like price wise Price-wise, yeah, I was talking about price, not weight. I've only bought one out of the three that I have, and I think it was like it was like 80 bucks, and then I paid like 
thirty for shipping. So like, right. you know, like so 100, 115 bucks. About three times the price of the bands. It doesn't take and up as much they, storage space. And they weigh forty one pounds. So yeah. uh, actually, the well, later ones weigh a little less. They they I'm just flipping through this. They shaved off six pounds at some point during the iMac G3's life. Way to go, guys! Put them on the no no carb diet. <laughs> Is that what it was? <laughs> I don't particularly care about the watch announcements. Uh, you know. Well, it's kind of cool that there's more colors and that the sport watch is cheaper, but I don't really like the nylon bands that look kind of ugly to me. Maybe, you know, not my style, but I, I do find it interesting that Apple is now kind of officializing the, what Craig Ockenberry of uh, the Icon Factory calls the reverse crown uh, way of wearing an Apple watch. So if you go see uh, the Apple product shots on the, on the store and on the watch website, you can now see that Apple has uh, some Apple Watch renders with a crown on the bottom left. So usually the digital crown is in the top right. In some shots, it's in the bottom left. And again, this is because, you know, uh, there's a setting that you can enable to uh, rotate the interface of the watch if you want to wear the Apple Watch, you know, with the crown at the bottom. Uh, it wasn't really official before i mean there was a setting uh but apple was not making a big deal out of it and now they do have you know uh renders and you know fancy product shots with a bunch of apple watches some with the digital crown in the top right some with the crown in the bottom left so you know if you're one of those people uh know that now apple officially forgives you and accepts you as mm-hmm. an apple watch user i think you guys should try it you you wear the apple watch this way Try it. I I did when it came out. I didn't really like it. I think I thought it was kind of weird to use the crown at the bottom. Crowns go on the right hand side of a watch face for me. Like that's where they go. That's where I I'm guess. Used to them being. Yeah, I don't wear a watch, but it, you know, maybe just when I was a kid and I used to wear watches. I remember, you know, the crowns and the buttons were on the right side. Maybe. Also, for me now, like I've got the muscle memory. Yeah. So, so, you know, I I haven't worn my Apple Watch in, like, 10 days, uh, you know, like, uh, mm. lately. Didn't really miss it, uh, but I started uh. wearing it again yesterday because of the watchOS update. I do, I, it doesn't mm. really excite me, you know, everything is so slow. I mean, I sure, I do miss the time. I do miss the looking at the... but. I, you know, it's the fact that the apps that I use the most don't have Apple Watch versions. And so it's difficult for me to be excited because the stuff that I needed to do, it can't do. And so I'm like, should I... You know, sometimes I forget. And lately I forgot for like, for like a week. It was just there sitting on the nightstand. And I was like, oh, yes, I, I got to remember to wear my watch. Uh, we'll see. I guess I want new hardware or new software. I don't know, but it doesn't do what I need it to do. So, kind of sad. I feel like I'm the only one here who really likes their Apple Watch. Like, sometimes in the morning, if I haven't put it on, I'm like, oh, I need to go put it on. Like, I'm not getting my notification. Like, I feel kind of, kind of like it's just part of my whole little setup that I got going on here. Mm-hmm. It really works for me. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, remember, like I set my devices up in a very specific way, so much so that they, that just they're always on do not disturb because of the fact that I have an Apple Watch. So 
you know, when I don't have an Apple Watch on, things can start to get a bit like I just don't get any notifications of any kind. It's like I was kind of built it that way. I built the Apple Watch as an important part. It's like my notifications triage hub or whatever. Mm-hmm. So like that's the only way I know that anything's happening. <laughs> so. You know, you know. I think one of the reasons why I'm having this sort of change it's because of a of a. This is a bit of an off topic. So sorry, uh, but it's because in the past few months uh, I've been trying to change the way I deal with um, you know with work when I'm out. You know, when I'm not at home getting work done, I'm usually like um, shopping with my girlfriend, and I'm trying to focus on. You know, I I want to get work out of my head. So what I did is I, I turned notifications off. So I don't want to see notifications because I know that, yes, maybe something is important. Uh, but I don't want to be bothered because I, I want to try to enjoy, you know, what I'm doing when I'm out. Mm-hmm. So not having notifications, you know, when I go out now, I usually set my phone to do not disturb or set to mute. Because I don't want to look at it. I don't want to be... I don't want to have the temptation, you know? I'm sort of forcing myself to n- n- to not be distracted. And I know that it sounds awful because, I mean, sure, I'm spending time with my girlfriend. I'm not working. I should be able to do it on my own. But it's that sort of habit, you know, that it's hard to kick. So um, I've been trying to sort of isolate myself when I'm not working. And so not having notifications come constantly... But knowing that, you know, there's someone on my team taking care of the news or taking care of something when I'm not working, it helps me enjoy, you know, life more. And so not having the constant nagging on the watch, it's it's been kind of relaxing in a way. I don't know. This is one of the bigger problems with... uh the way that the tools that we use to get our work done because we have an issue i mean we could we could go deep here but the tools that we use as people that kind of have independent businesses on the internet are the same tools that we also use to talk to our friends so it's like if you want to talk to people then you have to have the notifications on and then the notifications are also for work like that's where it starts the line starts to get a little blurred there cuz you can't just switch off a specific thing and still get Slack messages from me because then they could also be Slack messages from a develop your developer. Like, do you know what I mean? So you, that's, that's an issue, but maybe that's a conversation for another time. Yeah. All right, let's take a break. Talk about the iPhone SE. This week's episode is also brought to you by Igloo, the internet you'll actually like. With Igloo, you don't have to be stuck to your desk to do your work because Igloo is built to be mobile. They have created an intranet platform that can be accessed from wherever you choose to do your work. So if you do want to do your work at the beach, you can take your iPad and you can do that. If you want to do your work in your office, you can do it on your iMac. If you want to do it on the train, you can do it on your phone. People are mobile these days. Your work should be too. And because we're mobile, we're used to using apps and services that are with us everywhere. Igloo is... But also people use services like Box, Google Drive, and Dropbox to keep their documents with them wherever they want to be. Igloo understands this, so they integrate these services into their platform. This also stops people from taking documents outside of the company walls, as it were. If you know terms like 256-bit encryption, single sign-on, and Active Directory integrations, then you'll know just how safe and secure Igloo is and how it can play a part in your company's already great security. You can also share files with your co-workers and track them with read receipts. This can be super useful for making sure that critical information has been seen, keeping everyone on the same page. Igloo is really customizable. You can 
theme it and skin it to look exactly the way that you want and put your company logo and stuff in it so it feels like a place that your team is used to working in. And you can also very easily enable just the functionality that each team within your company needs. If they don't need document collaboration, then they don't have to have it. It's as simple as that. It's time to break away from an internet that you hate. Go and sign up for Igloo right now and you can try it for free with any team of up to 10 people for as long as you want. It's no risk. You can just go and try it out. It's absolutely free for any team of up to 10. Go sign up today, igloosoftware.com slash connected. Thank you so much to Igloo for the continued support of this show and Relay FM. iPhone SE. Uh, it is the new 4-inch iPhone as we expected, but maybe what we didn't expect is it is, except for a different chamfer, which is now a matte material, basically, mm-hmm. it looks exactly the same as the 5S. Yeah. And it's... the rumors didn't really say that that was going to be the case, right? We were always <laughs> thinking curved glass. There were some rumors that were like, looks like a small iPhone 6. Nope. Looks yeah. completely like the 5S. Rumors were a bit confused. Seems like time. it. Yeah, which is rare, I think, these but days. Everything else, you know, is basically on point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a small iPhone. It's got everything, almost everything from the 6S except the detach. And it's not called the 5SE, it's just called the SE, which, according to Schiller, stands for Special Edition. So there you go. No mystery. But it's got Apple Pay, you know. It's got a a 12-megapixel camera. Is that right? Yep. Yep. And I think it's got the 5-megapixel front, right, as well? Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, the 6S chipset and the camera, but no 3D touch display, which is interesting to me. Uh, what do you guys think uh, 3D Touch is, is a no-go here? They didn't want to build the sensors for the 4-inch yeah. because they don't have them. Yeah. Yeah, my guess is that was a a, a road too far in the re-engineering of that, of that chassis. Hmm. Probably. I mean, what do you guys think about the, the design being the 5S design? I mean, like you said, unless you're one of us, you're never going to notice the difference. Uh, it already looks old, right? And and what happens when the iPhone 7 comes out and is assumedly different than the success? Is this going to look even older or have they crossed some sort of threshold into like this being sort of a more timeless design that mm-hmm. you know may hold up better than you know say the iPhone 3G did. So here's my story. Basically, you know if you've been listening to this show uh that I've been talking for weeks about Adina wanting this. Right, she yes. wanted she wanted a new phone. She wanted it to be small. She's not too keen on the six. I told her all the specifications over our message. I was like, "It's going to be just like the six S, but inside of there, like it's going to be fast. The battery's going to be much improved. It's going to have a better camera. You're going to get live photos." She's like, "Great." She looked at it. She's like, oh, "I'm not sure." No, come on, no. Adina has to buy one now. The reason that she feels that way is she was hoping for something new because she just yeah. looked at her phone and she's like, "It's just the same." Uh, She's like, is it lighter at all? I was like, probably not. She's like, I don't know. So she wants to go and see it now. So she may still go with this, but she now wants to go to a store. Like we were thinking we were just going to get this site unseen, like we were just going to buy it. But she wants to now go to a store and look at it and play with it and then maybe also play with a success again and see what her final decision will be. And I get that because it is that like, I don't want something that looks old feeling. Yeah, the power of new, you know, yeah. has to look new. Sure. Makes sense. So if, for for me, the story is very similar to the ending. You know, my, my wife has a 6S that uh, we got at Christmas, and she wants to go back. In fact, I'll be ordering an iPhone SE this week for her. 
And so I had the same deal. I just told her, like, hey, it is basically the phone you have now, minus 3D Touch, which she doesn't use, uh, in that smaller form factor. And it's exactly like the 5S you had. And not only was she pleased about that, the first question was, hey, do we still have my old iPhone case? And <laughs> that really sort of like, you know, it's easy for us as like enthusiasts to not really understand all of the things that go into these sorts of decisions for people. But for her, it was like, oh, great. I even have a case for it that already work, right? Like, let's do it. And um, I think the case compatibility thing is maybe a big deal. And they're talking about people who may be upgrading from an older phone that they could just continue to use their 5, 5S accessories. And then they're talking about the this phone being really popular for people who are new to the platform. And mm-hmm. what was the what was the number? 30 million four-inch yeah. phones sold last year? That's 30 million wow. old phones. That's sold crazy, last year. right? Like, you can see why they're making this device. Yeah, I mean, it's only a fraction of 230 million iPhones, I think, sold in total. But it's a large number still. But it's, but think about it. If, you know, they made the argument that the foreign phone is popular with people coming to the platform for the first time, do you want your newest users to be on something that's two to three years old? Tech-wise. No, no, no. You don't. You want them to have the good camera and the speed and uh, Apple Pay being a huge addition to this phone. Like, I totally understand why they're making it. And while it's not for me, it is for some people in my life, and I think it'll be popular. Um, You know, I've got some questions about the longevity of the design, but I think that'll pan out in time. Or it may be that only we care about that. And um, maybe Adina is, like, kind of in the middle, but a lot of people, my wife included, like... She saw it as a benefit that it was, you know, the basically the same as her 5S. And, you know, she's, she's picking a different color. She hasn't had silver before. She wants to go silver this time. But other than that, like, I don't think people are going to care as much as maybe we care. The way we left it was that she said, maybe I'll get one, a different color. And then that will, like, the trick yeah. that we use, right, to make it feel new. Um, she might go with that. Like, basically, it's just because it, because it looks like the one that she's got, she now wants to go and feel it and, and play around with it. And I would be surprised if she ended up going with a success. But it was just interesting to me that like it was such a sure deal. And then it's like, yeah. oh, but now I feel like yeah. I have the same phone. The right? problem here, Mike, is that you overhyped your own girlfriend because you've been an unreliable <laughs> source of rumors. I am. Um, <laughs> if, if she was here right now, she would tell you that the overhyping is real. <laughs> it's not your fault, Mike. In, just in general <laughs> daily life, you know, I, I overhype constantly. <laughs> um, so this is good. I mean, what three ninety nine for sixteen gigabyte? Okay, I want to ask you two. Uh-oh. Jason asked me this question. So Federico, sixteen gigabyte in the iPhone SE for three ninety nine is that a problem? Sixteen gig? Well, or does it bother you? It bothers me. Okay. Right? It bothers me because 16 gigabytes is just ridiculous. I mean, I get it. It's cheaper. Uh, it's under $400. It's under, you know, the, the threshold of 500 which is good news. I think it's a better attempt at a cheaper, not cheap, cheaper phone than the iPhone 5C. You know, it looks more classy. It's got the latest tech. But the 16 gigabytes just bother me at a conceptual level, you know? Because it's just, it's not a real, I, I, I'm just going on the record, I don't call it a real iOS experience. When you, when you use a six, when you're selling people a 16 gigabyte phone, um, the, the problem isn't people buying these. The problem is Apple selling 16 gigabyte iPhones. 
you're giving them an inferior experience just because they cannot enjoy the benefits of having more storage, you know, more video, uh, more games, more apps. And I say this because I see my friends, you know, they're on a budget, uh, but they still want to use an iPhone. And the base iPhone, that, that, which is the iPhone that they can afford, which is the iPhone that Apple sells, has 16 gigabytes. And they're constantly, constantly bat- battling with the deleting apps, deleting games, deleting videos. That's not a good experience. You know, that's just ridiculous. And I feel like the problem isn't people, you know, because from our position, where, you know, tech people, uh, we have the money set aside for, for buying these gadgets. And we're always uh, too often... Uh, too quick to judge and say, well, you know, those people, they are, you know, shame on them. They're dumb because they're buying the 16 gigabytes, uh, you know, uh, iPhones. But that's not the problem. The problem is at the beginning, at the source, which is Apple making these phones. I Let me tell you, I don't buy the, the argument that Apple knows, that Apple, you know, they look at the data, they look at the customer feedback. I don't buy that anymore. Uh, 16 gigabytes really bothers me because it's no way to enjoy an iPhone and it's no way to sell an iPhone. So it's good news that that it's cheaper, but I don't accept the 16 base model anymore. Steven? I mean, we're going to be buying the 64 gig, (laughs) but uh, I tend to agree with Federico, but with the caveat that um, I think some, I'll get the way some people I know use their phones and it, Maybe isn't a big deal, but I think that overall, it's a they should move forward from this, and you know maybe to hit that price point they're doing it whatever. But I will be extremely disappointed if the next flagship phone still carries that 16 gig badge on the back. In this phone, the SE, it doesn't bother me as much. Just in this phone, because it's about budget, it's the low yeah. end of the market. Yeah. With a 12 megapixel camera that Yo, takes say, HD you photos, 4K video. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I know it's ridiculous, right? Like I know all of that stuff is ridiculous. I wish that it was more, but like it doesn't uh, upset me to the level that you guys are upset. Like it, it doesn't upset me if they try and do this again in the iPhone Seven. Like if we're coming to the iPhone Seven with 16 gigabyte base, like it's just ridiculous. Just in this one phone, I'm, I'm, I'm just a little less annoyed about it personally. Um, then I then I think you guys and and then other people like it just doesn't really bother me so much considering it's a hundred dollars more for sixty four so like it's not a massive jump to get a really good storage yeah. uh, and it's, you know I think if if it helps keep it under that four hundred dollar um, then I think that's good because I think it should be there and whatever you know uh, the other thing the other iPhone related thing I guess is iOS nine point three is now out. Um, I guess there's nothing really new to say that I suppose we haven't already spoken about on the show about 9.3. Mm-hmm. Probably. Yeah, we, we've talked about uh, Notes, Night Shift, the iPads and education. I think we covered uh, the main points. There's a bunch of tweaks, you know, especially with Apple Music, uh, with a few system apps. Uh, there's some changes, some uh, more 3D touch, quick actions, I guess. It's good news, but yeah, I think we covered the main points. And, you know, it's a pretty stable release. Um, yeah. I'm pretty happy with it on all my devices. Uh, yeah, I think it's good. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm happy that it's out and everything's running well on it, I think. Yeah, and one, one of the things that, uh, that Apple doesn't say that I heard uh, from a few friends is that they, they try to 
increase performance uh, in some areas of the OS, especially control center, uh, to bring it back to 60 frames per second, you know, on every device, which is nice. Um, it's a good release. Again, surprisingly feature-rich, uh, given that it's, you know, just a couple of months away from WWDC. Mm -hmm. uh, we already had 9.1, 9.2, and we were not expecting 9.3, which is usually when Apple, you know, likes to wrap things up and to be to say, you know, time to pack it up and go to the next OS. Uh, you know, they usually do bug fixes and a few maintenance type of things. Said we got new, brand new features here. Um, so it was interesting, uh, but we covered it and uh, it's, yeah, good release. If you, especially if you're on, a, on an older device, I recommend to upgrade because, you know, things are supposedly faster on, uh, on the older side of things. All right, today's episode is also brought to you by Squarespace, the simplest way for anyone to create a beautiful landing page, website, or online store. Start building your website today at squarespace.com and use the offer code WORLD at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. With easy-to-use tools and templates, Squarespace helps you capture every detail of what drives you because if it's worth the effort, it's worth sharing with the world. And you can share it with the world with beautiful templates. I mentioned that the, the tools and the templates are easy to use. They're also fantastic looking they have really great professionally designed templates they all feature responsive design as well so your site is not only going to look great it's going to look great on all sizes of device too squarespace has state-of-the-art technology that they use to power your site and every site on their platform they ensure security and stability you'll be able to make your website look and feel how you want no matter what your skill level is. No coding experience is required for, to build Squarespace websites. All of their tools are drag and drop. They're really easy to, to deal with and they're all WYSIWYG as well. So every change that you make, you get to see take effect immediately on your site. It really is fantastic. They have 24-7 support with live chat and email. So if you have any issues or problems, they're there to help you no matter what. They have their dev platform. So if you do understand how to work with the code, you can get in under the hood and tinker with your Squarespace site to your heart's content. If you sign up for a year, you'll get a free domain name too. And Squarespace plans start at just $8 a month. You can sign up for a free trial with no credit card required and start booting your own website today over at squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up, make sure that you use the offer code WORLD, W-O-R-L-D, at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for Connected. I'd like to thank Squarespace for their continued support of this show and Relay FM. So uh, following in the steps of products that we mostly knew were coming, a new 9.7-inch iPad Pro was announced, and it is... More or less the 12.9-inch tablet the three of us enjoy. It does the smart connector for the keyboard, pencil support, the new four-speaker system, and it comes with the A9X. It does come with two gigs of RAM, which is a step down, but it is obviously a lot fewer pixels to push, so maybe that kind of comes out in the wash. And it's, um, you know, it's it's a step up from the Air 2. So basically this thing starts at $599. The Air 2 is still around now at $399. So for the first time, $499 price point is empty, which is interesting. And it's, you know, it's, I think, Apple's pitching it as uh, an upgrade from the Air 2, but also, hey, you want all of the stuff that the iPad Pro has, but you want it in a smaller form factor, then, you know, we have that now. In many ways, it's treating the iPad line, in my opinion, more like the MacBook Air or the MacBook Pro, where you have a couple different machines that are more or less identical, 
but you ha- you're going and and choosing uh, by size. You know, I think there's a little bit of a question as to what's going on with the the iPad Air line. Is the iPad Air two, which said, did not get an update, still for sales? It's been for a long time. Is that going to just kind of fade away, and the Pro can maybe come down in price? I think that's kind of to be determined. But a new price point, new product, and you know bringing a lot of that stuff that we've enjoyed on our bigger iPads down to the more popular tenant size. What do you guys think? I have uh, I have a problem with the True Tone display thing. Okay. Hmm. So this is an idea of, I don't know what, like better color reproduction, right, in certain areas and the display tech itself is has got a, a, yeah. a, a higher color gamut? Yeah, so it's it's a couple of things. So the um, iOS devices and laptops and everything have had ambient light sensors for years, and they're using that now to detect the color temperature in the room. And if the color temperature is warmer, it will match the color temperature of the display. So it's kind of riding on the back of what night shift is doing a little bit of say, Hey, we want to go warmer or cooler to match the room. And Apple pitch it as, you know, if you have a sheet of paper, the sheet of paper matches the room. But if you're in a dark room, that's sort of, you know, I think they use the example, like sitting next to a fire, you don't want your iPad to be blasting bright blue light in your eyes. You want it to be warm and, and toned down to feel more in tune with the room or, you know, whatever language they used. So it's, it's, I think it's more about, like hijacking night shift in a way than necessarily the the larger color gamut. I think the hardware difference is the the sensors, not necessarily something built into into that that gamut. But I I could be wrong. Yeah, I think they've put more sensors in it to to make the ambient stuff better. Yes, it's the only it's the only device with that with that particular ambient light sensors is how I understand it. When you couple this with the difference in the camera. I put a screenshot in the show notes. I was looking in the uh, the Apple Store app today, and I opened the iPad Pro page, and they have like a kind of a breakdown of the features of the two devices, um, and it's so confusing. So you have two devices in the same line. Mm-hmm. One of them's bigger than the other one. But the smaller one has got a camera of higher megapixels, mm-hmm. and it's got a better uh, FaceTime, and it's got the retina flash, and it's talking about true tone display on the resolution. I think it's just confusing, and I'm not sure why they decided to put these features in the small one and not the big one. Like I'm, I'm, I'm confused about it, and I, it feels weird to me to be introducing a new line, a new product in this line, and then immediately splitting the line on features. I don't agree with it, but I think I can explain their reasoning, maybe. I think the perspective they're coming from is the new 9.7-inch iPad is a smaller iPad. People carry this type of iPad around more than they do with the bigger iPad Pro. So because it's more portable, because people use it more, you know, in, in... Sort of mobile scenarios, you know, they walk around, they take pictures. It's a more mobile iPad, so mm-hmm. we gotta put the better camera in it, and we can have this display technology that adapts to different rooms, to different you know scenarios, because people move around with this type of iPad more. So people change contexts 
with this type of 10-inch iPad more than they do with the 13-inch type of iPad. I think that's their angle. And they also kind of say this on the website. Uh, they say, and because people love to, you know, carry their 9.7-inch iPad around, uh, we had a display technology to, you know, for better color, whatever. Um, I think that's their angle. Because it's a smaller iPad, people use it more, you know, in mobile situations. So we do the better camera and we do the better display. I think that's what they want to say, at least. Yeah, I can totally understand that logic. That That is the logic that led to the decisions. Like, I can see that. that you all, I think you are spot on. It's just weird to me when you look no, at the I don't... pages. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you weird. think about when the iPad mini was introduced, it was like same specs, you just pick the screen size. Yes. Right. I think that would have made a lot more sense here, considering they did things for the iPad Pro 9.7, which are a bit weird, like shrinking the keyboard down. Like, so the software keyboard is, you know, it's not as good, but then they actually, the smart keyboard, right? They made a smaller one of those even though it maybe doesn't make as much sense on this device yeah. as it does on the bigger one. So like you're trying to make them the same and then splitting them at the last minute anyway. It's like they went on like a just a sharp right turn. For features that are, I don't know how important. So maybe the camera, I can kind of say fine, like whatever. But I don't know if they needed to do this True Tone thing now. Like they didn't have to do it. No one asked for it. It's great that it's there, but like you could have just had this as a feature for the next revision of the iPad Pro line in a year or two down the line. It's just strange to me, and I think it adds complexity because now it's like you're not just choosing screen size, which I think should be the only choice here. You're also choosing other features. <laughs> like RAM. Yeah. I mean, but that's hidden though, right? Yeah, I mean, I get what both, your, what both of you are saying, but there is a little sense in me that Federico's uh, discussion is a little bit of a backronym that they sort of worked the way to that. And yeah, it, it may be yeah. as simple as the technology wasn't ready. They wanted it, but it wasn't ready. Or if this does leverage things in night mode, that the software wasn't ready. And that I can, I can, I can buy just as easily as I can buy what Federico said. I think there's a lot of factors that go into this. But I mean, this is not the first time that Apple's done this sort of thing, right? Where they, no. they sort of split something, you know, sooner than you you would like, or you know, there's that there's uh, an awkward period. Um, I think my favorite example is that they they revved like the iMac G5 and put an iSight camera in it, and then released the Intel iMac like ninety days later, like <laughs> a very short period of time. You could buy an iMac G5 with an iSight, and if you did, you were kind of screwed because the Intel one was much better. I mean, Apple does this, and I think that they, for like, it's easy to ascribe to them adjectives like being thoughtful and like seeing down the road. I think sometimes they don't, and sometimes they just say, "Hey, this isn't ready now. It's ready. Okay, now it is. Let's let's put it in." But um, I agree with you guys. It definitely doesn't feel good as like an iPad Pro owner. But at the same time, I'm really glad my iPad doesn't have a camera bump. So I guess that's a trade off I'm willing to accept. Okay, let me let me ask you guys this. This is a bigger question, but I want to ask you both. So is it maybe the time to accept that the age of the simple product line is over? That Apple is such a big company selling devices to so many diverse people and countries and, you know, 
you know, different types of market segments. That it's just not feasible anymore to imagine Apple with two computers, two phones, and two tablets. I think it's inevitable that a company of their size would have the amount of products that they have. Like, it gets confusing, and I think one of the reasons it gets confusing is because Apple's really bad at naming in a large product line. Um, like, mm-hmm. they they try and keep it clean, but in keeping it clean, make it difficult. Like, in their own video about the iPad Pro, they call this iPad Pro multiple names. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, it doesn't have a set name that they give it. One moment is the new iPad Pro, and then it's the iPad Pro 9.7. Like, they don't give them the clear names because they have, like, such a limited set of names that they're willing to draw from. Um, So I think that doesn't help them, and I think it makes the problem seem worse than it is. Like, earlier in the show, we were talking about one billion devices. Mm Mm-hmm. You can't just have everybody choose from two things. Exactly. Yeah. But that's crazy. Like, it's obviously not a billion people. It's, let's say, half a billion people. Let's just say. I mean, it's not that. It's much bigger. It's probably like three mm-hmm. quarters. But I want the iPad Pro. I don't want the iPad Air. I don't want the 9.7 iPad Pro. I want the one that I have. And I'm happy that they make it. So I'm happy that they split the line into more products now. Mm-hmm. I just think that. They have a ways to go to still to make it clearer from a branding and naming perspective and to make it clearer on features. And again, that goes back to what we were talking about earlier about, again, like the hard disk drives in the iMacs. Like that is a level of complexity in that product decision that shouldn't be there. Like Mm -hmm. you shouldn't even make that a question in people's mind. Like if they want to downgrade their mac and put a hard drive in it to save money great but like do you, when you put them in your store window <laughs> you don't mm-hmm. put hard drives as one of the configuration options it just makes no sense like i think that they have so much stuff that they have to do like they lose it in some areas i think this is one of those again like you've had this product out for a few months there's now another one but you put them side by side you list their features and like it looks like a it makes the, the buying decision more confusing. So what you're saying is part of that is a is a name problem, just yep. because the names are kind of weird. Yep. And the other part is there are some features that are maybe too old for them to be a valid choice at this point. And uh, you're just making people confused. Yeah, I actually think part of it is... Uh, this this is kind of sounds weird, so bear with me for a moment. Is them having a little bit too much pride in their product innovation? Like they put the True Tone display out now because it's ready and they like it and they think it's great. Mm-hmm. When they could have waited, but they want to have it out because it's awesome. Yeah. you could have just waited, and it would have been fine. Would they regret shipping the True Tone display now or not shipping it? Because it to me it seems more. Like, it's more of a problem for you or for me because we don't have the True Tone display on the iPad Pro that we like than it is for people who do want oh, the small yeah. iPad Pro. So much of this about the True Tone display is laced in the fact that I'm throwing my toys yeah. out of the pram because everybody's getting something that I don't have. Yeah. Um, but it is one of those things where it's like, I just bought this. Mm-hmm. Like, I just bought it. Like, 
it wasn't a year ago, but it was what, like three months ago? November. Yeah. Okay, so maybe a little bit longer, but five. <laughs> five. All right. Okay, we're getting it. We're getting to the six month area, which maybe means How it's does not time so bad. Work? But you know, it's it's just like I I just wonder. Like and my main thing about it now is just it was looking at that screenshot today. Mm-hmm. I mean. That it's actually laid out pretty badly on the page anyway. It is, it is. Um, yeah. But like you look at it and it's like, oh, one of these is a whole line longer. There's different numbers all <laughs> yeah, over the place. There must be some differences. <laughs> yeah, like I looked at it and I was like, what? I don't, what's happening? And I did know. the same yesterday. <laughs> it's like, you just, just tighten, tighten it up. Just keep yeah. it tight. I mean, they've always had that issue and I think it's sort of inherent to the subject matter when the differences are technical. How do you like explain that and even yeah. when they do it's like true tone display it's like well what does that actually mean what does if mean? i haven't already read the, the product page yeah. um, i think i think their problem is they are a systemically small product line company with a big product line yeah i think part of apple still thinks they have that four product grid in place yeah don't. yeah no i was just about to say that, that some people either within apple or outside apple still have some sort of fascination with the steve jobs grid of four products yeah. but it's not that way anymore no. clearly and maybe the other part of the problem is that the, sometimes the names are just too fancy i mean i know it sounds dumb but call it the small ipad pro and the big ipad pro so Man, people can understand ipad pro <laughs> and ipad pro mini it's a mouthful but that really would have told you what they were you know, true tone display. I mean, just call it. You know, better color display. You know, um, yeah. I know that they sound kind of dumb, but people want to like look at a table and know what it means. You know, I'm looking true tone display. Okay, what does it mean true tone? You know, I'm say tone. What's a tone? You know, <laughs> are we talking about music? You know, that kind yeah. of stuff. People don't understand, and maybe sometimes, well, they do fail to an extent at presentation you know you're showing two lists side by side there's no easy way to see what's different sometimes they do have an over complex naming metrics you know so they have these fancy names and you know what what do they even mean and maybe the other part of the problem is uh is with us that many of us in in the tech scene uh we do like pretty tables we do like neat lists you know we do like to have it simple you know it's either computer a computer b phone one phone two we're done but you know these companies it's not just apple uh, microsoft google amazon they do sell across the globe the globe and you know people are different people you know the, the world is not the valley you know uh, the world is vast and large, and different people need different things. And it's almost absurd that I that we have to say this, but Apple's product line is not made for Silicon Valley. I think it, that's safe to say. And so it kind of makes sense, you know, to have. There's a tweet going around. It's kind of viral. Uh, of someone saying, you know, when Steve Jobs came back to Apple, he needed to simplify the product line. The big difference is, you know, <laughs> Apple now sells to billions of people. And when Steve Jobs came back, they were almost bankrupt. So yep. that's just a tiny difference. Uh, yeah, I think <laughs> that re- referring it to that now is a bit weird. Like, I don't yeah, know. it's a bit weird. But Apple do it themselves, though, right? Was it WWDC last year when they showed that thing of all the products on the side? And they're like, this is all we sell. It's one slide. 
It's Kinda. Like, well, yeah, except there's like 19 iPads back there. You've just laid like 19 up, and we can only see one, right? Like if you shifted <laughs> right. one, you'd start to see them all like dominoes in the distance. But you know, this this is what I mean. Like they are the small product line company with a big product line. Like they just can't seem to break that. We've gone yeah. on such a huge diversion. No, I, I would say I would say there's there's one last thing to sort of well one and a half full of things left to consider is one okay, two things. <laughs> Two things. Uh, one, when Apple has introduced new hardware features to iOS devices, they generally do it one at a time. So, like, even today, 3D Touch and Touch ID is still only on one phone. Um, when they added, uh, I mean, I can't, that's the only example I can think of. But there are other examples, right? Like, they, they, they move sort of slowly in this area. And maybe that's a yield thing. Maybe it's that they want to make sure it sticks. Who knows? But secondly... Again, like what I talked about when we opened the segment, like they are, they have moved into treating the iPad like a notebook or like a like a computer, like the Mac. And you know, there's a 21 and a half inch and a 27 inch iMac, and um, there's a whole bunch of range in there, and you can customize it to a degree. But you know, there, there's one device in two classes, and I think really that they are just trying to treat the iPad differently. They treat it like the iPhone for so long, and clearly that doesn't work. And now we have the iPad Air 2, which is, you know, how, when did the Air 2 come out? 2014? I guess it's a year and a half old now. And they haven't updated it, but that's fine because it's still a really capable tablet. And maybe they are slowing it down and are treating it differently because their current path hasn't worked. And if this is, you know, it's confusing now, but I think ultimately, like maybe we're coming at this from the iPhone perspective and we should be coming at it from the Mac and saying, Hey, you know what? You want a MacBook Air or what size? And you know what? Even between the 11 and 13 chair, there are differences. And this is feels weird right now because it's still kind of new to the iPad line. But my guess is that in a couple of years, that this will feel kind of like how the iPad's always been. But we are in this transition of not necessarily products even, but a transition of language around the iPad. And Apple hasn't figured all that out yet. Like you said, they, they call it different things at different points. Um, but I think they'll get there. And I think that ultimately whether this works or not i don't know but i think ultimately it will sort of congeal into something that makes more sense for more people all right so um the camera has a bump it does lens uh matthew panzerino took some photos and a little video to try and indicate the fact that when laid out on a desk the bump doesn't seem to make the ipad wobble Mm -hmm. um this is like a quick sidebar. There doesn't seem to be an embargo on these products, nope. which is really nope. weird. Interesting, yeah. Um, I don't know what that means. I assume it's just because they're kind of isn't like these aren't like massive products. Mm. Yeah, um, just do whatever. <laughs> so just like whatever, take pictures, just go crazy. <laughs> Maybe Apple are testing this approach with these products. Like, what happens if you just say like three, two, one, go, and the first one to write the review is the winner. Uh, I don't know what you win, but you win something. Uh, I'm surprised that we haven't already seen a review today from a big site. Seriously, like that—that's a surprise to me. That there hasn't been one yet. Maybe it's like an arms race. Um, the pen, the pencil, the new smaller keyboard. Uh, there's a bunch of cases, smart cases and smart covers for the uh, 9.7 inch iPad Pro that are in a load of lovely colors. The 12.9 still gray and white. <laughs> 
Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what's going sad. on there. Yeah, it makes me very sad. Yeah, because the big one is for work, and work serious is all stuff. it's all grey and it's serious. The, it's yeah. the fun professional iPad <laughs> and the serious professional iPad. Yes. Uh, no new layouts for the keyboard yet. Federico, did Apple tell you this, or was it the software keyboard they said would would have international layout? The smart keyboard would have international layouts, but it doesn't seem to be the case yet. That has not happened, has it? No. <laughs> nope. No. Okay, that's good to know. Uh, let's talk about this USB camera adapter. Um, Phil Schiller called out on stage that you could power a mic oh, from yes. this new USB camera adapter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just wanted to address this with you guys. Uh there's still other stuff that we need once like, again yeah. yes like okay this is a significant step forward in being able to produce podcasts on an ipad because yeah. in theory i could use the microphone equipment that i currently use that could go the same mm-hmm. with all of us on our ipads now which we couldn't yeah. do before because we have boxes that need to be powered it'd be great for voiceover stuff, right? If you're just recording something locally, yeah. or singing or doing video work or something, it's great. But because now you can use basically any USB hub in theory. I mean, right. I don't know how powerful this is. This thing. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try it. I ordered one of these USB adapters. I'm gonna try it with my USB pre uh, when it comes in. I, I think it may work, but we'll see. But there is a big part, actually a bigger part, really, because there's still mm-hmm. USB microphones you could use before this thing, which is applications being able to be in place that you could have a conversation like this either via FaceTime or via Skype and also record local audio and the call audio like you can do on a Mac. Like there needs to be multiple audio streams that can all be Mm -hmm. recorded by applications. This doesn't exist in iOS. Jason is very hopeful that Phil Schiller calling out podcasting on stage means they're maybe going to work on this. Like that was a specific thing to, to reference. Yes. Uh, fingers crossed, because genuinely, I, I think people think I don't want this to happen because they think that I restrict you, Federico. N- no, that's recording. not the. It's never really been <laughs> yeah. the case, and, and that's it, not the case anymore. Anyway, no, my feeling was always like, with how it has been, I just don't want to have to go through that because I know that you and Fraser record this way because Fraser Fraser does does the the two device set up i just don't like it because then i have to hear a lower quality version of you when we stream live everybody else will hear a low quality version of you because what fraser does and what people say that you can do which you can is record like to use a skype call over an iphone with a headset like that is perfectly doable but i just don't think it is the setup that i want to use or that i want you to use and i know you don't either when when I want to have my phone free. So, you know, if there's an emergency, people can call me. Even if I'm podcasting, you know, if something serious happens, I want to be reachable mm-hmm. at any time. So, you know, don't want to use my phone. No. So, fingers crossed, iOS 10 brings more audio APIs and more yep. capabilities for audio. Because I would really love to be able to take a trip oh, and man. just be able to record using my iPad. Like, I wouldn't yeah. do it at home. I'm not going to do it at home. Like, me, I'm not. I have this great Mac set up here. Everything works the way exactly that I want it to be. But if I'm recording on location or I'm away from this and I want to be able to record something, it'd be great to do a podcast just using my iPad and some equipment that I can put in a bag. That would be A. And I would be totally happy personally with you doing it then after we've done some tests. 
Okay. <laughs> Fingers crossed. But Federico, you bought the most exciting product announced in the event. Well, I mean, it's. I think we, it's safe to say this is the real deal from the event, which which is the 29-watt uh, USB-C adapter with a new USB-C to lightning cable, which, as Paul lovely explains on the website, um, you can now use for fast charging on the bigger iPad Pro. So not on the new 9.7-inch, on the traditional 12.9-inch iPad Pro, you can rely on faster charging. You know, I already use the 12 uh, watt adapter that Apple gives you with the iPad Pro, uh, but I, you know, even faster charging sounds even better to me. Uh, so I bought the the set, so the adapter and the cable. Uh, it's shipping in three to five days. So you know, hopefully next week I will have my fancy charging setup, which is really exciting. You know. Hopefully, yep. you know, the iPad Pro charges real slowly because it's got a big battery. Uh, hopefully with this thing, I can go, you know, just a couple of hours for a full charge. We'll see. All right. So the iPad Pro 9.7 starts at 32 gigabytes for 599 and then it goes to 128 for 749 and 256 gigabytes for 899 And Stephen, you mentioned a little bit earlier about the price difference here to the Air. Yeah, I mean, I think they're pitching it as a more serious high-end product and i mean that makes sense right there too and is not only older which i don't think most people care about but you look at this thing a little bit more money well, i guess 200 dollars more you get pencil and keyboard support and you get for speakers. another 200 dollars. <laughs> yeah i mean i mean either they couldn't hit the 499 price point which maybe they couldn't or they wanted to make a statement that this is a different machine than what it replaced. Oh no, I mean you get pencil and keyboard support when you lay out another two hundred dollars. Right. And so yeah. the question for me is yeah. if they could have hit four ninety nine, would they have replaced the Air Two or the Air Two still have gone down in price? I think the Air still still would have gone down in price because Apple seems to want an iPad at every conceivable price point right now. But is it going to replace the Air Two eventually? Or are we going to have the iPad mini and then the iPad air and then two models of pro. Like I said earlier, it's, it's a transition. I just don't know where the transitioning to yet. So yeah, I guess we'll just see over the course of time, what, how this shakes out. Bringing the air two down to three ninety nine is weird because they didn't move the mini four. Oh, did they not? Is it the no. same price? The mini four is three ninety nine. <laughs> that is, and it's not as good as the air two, right? Or are they, the, are they the same now? They're pretty Maybe. much the same. I it's think. just smaller. Then the iPad mini two is now two sixty nine. I can't believe they still sell that thing. <laughs> well, it's it's the new iPad Air too, right? Like it stays oh. around for a while. Oh uh, yeah, my gosh, yeah. Are any of us gonna buy the nine seven? Nope. Nope. All right, not Federico, why are you not getting it? Because the, the 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 benefits that it supposedly brings are not as essential to me as what the bigger iPad Pro does, mm -hmm. which is two gigs of more RAM. And I know, I know, it's got a bigger display. Maybe the, those two gigs are only useful for, you know, the bigger display. But I like to future-proof my purchases, you know. I like to know that I'm using the most powerful hardware around. I mean, if I were a Mac user, I'd totally buy the most powerful Mac I could, you know, because I just want to have the most powerful tool I can afford for what I need to do. And um, and also, really, the I love iOS on the bigger display. I wouldn't be able to go back to, you know, a smaller iOS 
that it's just, you know, with split view, that it's not as comfortable to use. Um, I do love the experience on the bigger iPad Pro. And then it's just what the what the 9.7-inch iPad Pro brings, you know, the true tone display and the better camera, I just don't care. Uh, night shift is enough for me to balance the, you know, the the white colors of the of the UI. I don't take pictures with the with the iPad Pro, so I don't really care about the camera. And for for those reasons I'm going to stick with the with the bigger iPad Pro because it's more powerful, it's more comfortable. Yeah, it, and it's actually more comfortable because it's bigger. Because the the iOS experience is bigger, you know, the apps are bigger, more the split view is easier to use. So um I'm going to stick with that. I am appealed by the portability of the 9.7, like just it being able to be easier to put like in places and carry around and it'd be lighter and stuff. But you know, like the idea of being able to hold my iPad in one hand really, really easily, like I can and I do hold my Pro in one hand, but like being able to just, I don't know, put my hand around the whole thing and write on it and walk around, like it just be more secure would be nice. But I remember the reason I love iPad in general is because of the screen size of the iPad Pro, the the twelve nine. I have an Air too; it's sitting right here, and I started to come around to that with split view. I was like, "Oh, this is nice, this is nice." But what tipped me over the edge was the twelve point nine inch screen. Like that was the last kind of bastion to fall for me to really show the usefulness of of what these devices can be. And this was underscored for me this morning. I was sitting downstairs on my sofa and I was working. Um, and I was flicking between applications as I do now, going from one thing to the other and splitting them in half and, you know, typing in one, copying and pasting the other. I'm like, I'm not going back from this screen size. Two full-size apps side by side, pretty much. Like, you have to pry that away from my cold dead hands now. Like, I love the way that that works and this 12.9 this screen size. Uh, I can't see me moving away from that for quite some time. But Stephen, I know that you're maybe not as deep into this, and you've always been a—you've always liked that nine-seven size. You don't think you're not even tempted? No, I mean uh, for the reasons that you two both laid out so well, but also the software keyboard is yeah. Finally, I can type on an iOS device comfortably, and um, and that's a big deal for me. Like you know, I. I not knowing how this new smart keyboard is, you know, maybe that would change my mind a little bit, but I've gotten really good at the software keyboard if the thing is in landscape and the size is really what unlocked, you know, kind of being able to do some work on the thing. And yeah. yes, there's, you know, obviously pain points in the software still, like this new Air won't have the problem of apps being upscaled, like the Facebook app still, or like Google Drive was or Google Docs was until very recently. But for me, like you, Mike, the, what's different about the 12.9 inch is what has made me use the iPad more. And so to give that up to something that I would like to be more portable, like I would love to have an iPad I could use in bed comfortably. And one of these days I'm going to rage by an iPad mini to solve that problem. But until then, uh, it is tempting for that sort of use. But when I think about what makes this iPad sticky for me in my workflow, it's all about the screen size. I tell you about the keyboard. One thing I want to know is if the nine point seven Pro has a split keyboard. Hmm, it's, it's a, good That's question. a good question. It yeah. has the old iPad keyboard, like exactly. the one that the Pro, the Air Two has. So my guess is is that it does, and that they did that as a 
size thing, but you ought to uh, go ask Panzerina. I bet he could tell you. I'm sure he could. All right. That wraps it up for this week's episode. If you want to find our show notes, head on over to relay.fm slash connected slash 83. Thanks again to Memberful, Squarespace, and Igloo for supporting this week's episode. You can head on over to 512pixels.net for all of Stephen's work and lots of stuff about old computers and some stuff about new computers. Um, you can head on over to macstories.net and you can find out things about apps. <laughs> And new a, computers. And new computers. This wow. this is really like falling apart touch, for me. Touchscreen computers. Touchscreens. <laughs> yeah, lots of touchscreen stuff and some not touchscreen stuff. Uh, and you can go to michaelswright.com for like just some weird stuff, really. I don't really know what goes. <laughs> I don't even know what goes there. Uh, I am at iMike on Twitter. I am YKE. Steven is at ISMH. Federico is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. They will be back next week. I'm not here again. I'm sorry. I do love you. I want you to know that. Um, I will come back the week after, I promise. Until then, say goodbye, guys. Arrivederci. Adios.